It's Thursday, July 28th. Welcome to Market Fool. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Deep Value, Mr. Ron Gross. Hey, hey. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. You're That's right. what I always say. But it is true. It's always a pleasure. It's not always a pleasure. Always always means 100%. Come on. There, let's face it. You and I both know. A significant know, amount of the time, it is a pleasure. Right. But you and I both know that there have been days over the past few years where I've basically said, come on, I really need you in the studio. And you're like, all right. Anything for you. Um, and our members. And our listeners. And our listeners. Yes. Any, it's not me. It's, it's You do it's, it for the listeners. Exactly. Um, we're going to get to the Facebook. We're going to get to that. But I think today we need to start with Ford Motor mm. uh, because <laughs> shares are down 10%. Second quarter profit came in much lower than expected. And uh, right, uh, it's a tricky one here. So profits down 9%, worse than expected, as you mentioned. But let's put it in context still profitable at $2 billion. Yes. Still making money. Um, the trouble I think what investors are focusing on is that. U.S. business was weak, and there's signs that it is plateauing, and that's not good. And then you also had weakness in China as well. Um, the concerns about the U.S. are those big markets, the U.S. and China. <laughs> I'm no analyst, but I think yeah. So that, that's where where we're looking. So for the specific quarter, troubles in the U.S. higher costs from the launch of, of a new heavy duty truck that they're coming out with, and they also say Brexit is going to have an impact, maybe to the tune of four hundred million dollars, um, some way impacting their business. I I, I want to see how that shakes out. I don't know if you can really tell quite yet, um, but with respect to the business plateauing in North America, they're they're calling out um, new car demand being somewhat plateauing. Um, Falling demand, falling used car values, rising incentives, um, which you know those are typically a signal that you got to do something, like you know putting a, a sweater on sale at Aeropostale. <laughs> um, you know those promotions are indicative or an indication that you need to do something to spur growth. Um, so there's some there's real some real concern about North America. Then you also have some other things like Ford Credit, their financing arm, profit was real weak there. Nobody likes to see that. Um, so combine that with, as we said, China, you get a bad quarter. You get the stock selling off, um, which I think is appropriate. Stock's down 10-11% this year, 16% over the last year. Six percent over the last five years. Now, here's where it's interesting. If you widen the lens, and if you think as a long-term shareholder, over ten years, stocks up eighty-two percent, significantly, nicely, handily beating the market. So, weakness nearer term, longer term. It's been an okay investment. We've talked over the past couple of years about auto sales, vehicle sales writ large in North America and how it's been, you know, a great couple of years. And that always came with the caveat, like, gosh, the stocks really aren't setting the world on fire right. and they're putting up record sales. And what happens when at some point they start to plateau? And then you have, you know, in the case of Ford Motor, Bob Shanks, the CFO, saying we do think the U.S. is coming down. We think the second half will be lower than the first half, and that's, you know, you. On the one hand, we like our business leaders to be transparent and open and honest, 
But the fact is that the, you, you look at that and you go, all right, well. If, right. If, if the if stocks things, aren't going to move in good times, right. then, then do you want to own this stock in, in times that are not not so robust? And the answer is probably no. You're seeing that really across the board. You can see it in GM as well. Obviously, Ford is, is really affecting all the automakers um, today. But in general, you'll see something, um, a P.E. ratio of Ford of six or so, I, I believe. Um, typically, if something's under 10, people start thinking value investment, value investment. That isn't always the case. There's sometimes a reason that something is trading at, at a, a real low valuation relative to other companies. So a company like Apple, um, in the days where you know we would see it trading at nine times earnings, okay, those were days where I said, "Ooh, value investment. I think Apple is going to put up growth numbers that warrant you know investors putting some some cash there." Here, even at six times, GM is at four times, even theoretically cheaper. Cheaper being in quotes because that's no. in the eye of the beholder. I think the market is telling you something there, and you need to be careful. So, if you're looking at Ford Motor and thinking, "Well, wait a minute," I, in the wake of Bob Shank's comments. This kind of seems like if if Ford Motors on your watch list, and you're thinking, well, this over the long term, over ten years, fifteen years, this could be something that uh, is is a nice portion of my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Do you wait a little bit longer? Because it's because it seems like Bob Shanks, among others, at Ford is saying. Ah, uh, good times aren't necessarily right around the corner. Yes, yeah, so that's a tough game to play. You would say the stock is reacting today because of that expectation. Stocks trade in advance of the expectations. Will it actually get worse when they actually um, report that, yes, in fact, the things we told you were going to happen are happening? I kind of tend to think the answer is yes, although that shouldn't happen. The market should be more efficient than that, but they're typically not. So, if you want to play games, you wait and you see if you can get the stock cheaper if you want to own it. But on the other hand, for long-term investors, um, you could take today's weakness as as a good entry point. But again, that's if you want to own a business with this kind of dynamics and this kind of you know, in this market in this industry, um, and and of course, always hold for the long term. Facebook's second quarter profits came in much higher than expected, and revenue from mobile ads continues to climb as a percentage of overall sales. That's that's the big deal. So impressive what they've done. Um, revenue generated from mobile ads increased 80%, and now they account for um, 84%. Advertising on mobile devices accounted for 84%. Um, really, really quite impressive. More than 90% of Facebook's users are now on mobile devices. Remember back, really, it was only a couple of years ago, we were, we were saying, listen, they've got to do this. They've got to make this move to mobile. It's going to hurt their earnings. It's going to hurt their margins. But if they don't do it, they're dead. What wonderful execution! You got to give them credit. Really impressive, um, and the numbers were just amazing. Facebook now up twenty-two percent on the year is now larger than Berkshire Hathaway. Um, Facebook's at three hundred and seventy billion market cap. Berkshire Hathaway three hundred and fifty-five billion dollar market cap. And last week, when Jeff Fisher and I were talking about Facebook, and I was asking him about you know what metric do you like to see? Well, you know what do you look at? One of the things he talked about was revenue per user. That comes in 15% higher than just last quarter. Yeah, $3.82 versus $2.76. <laughs> really, really impressive. So now, okay, 
now you think about, all right, what have you done for me lately? That was last quarter. Where do we go now? How can this business continue to put up numbers? Do we have the law of large numbers coming into effect here where they can't continue to put up this kind of growth? And now the new push, video. Now we're going to start hearing video, video, video. Uh, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Live. You're going to start to see Zuckerberg talk more and more about video, um, stealing advertising market share from the traditional uh, video TV um, uh TV um, <laughs> commercials, platforms. platforms yeah. Thank you, um, and you're going to see it tr start moving more and more to social networking. Hopefully, for his for his sake, um, Facebook. That will be the new avenue of growth that we're going to continue to hear about. Well, and so yesterday, David Kretzmann, Aaron Bush, and I. One of the things we talked about was Twitter, and how you know their their comment, uh, Twitter's comment that well, you know, we didn't see the advertiser demand that we were expecting, and for anyone who looked at that. Particularly anyone who works in traditional media, radio, TV, print, and thought to themselves, aha, see, they're not spending money online. No, they are. They're just not you, spending it with Twitter. That's right. They're, spe <laughs> they're, they're spending a hell of a lot of money with Facebook. Absolutely. Facebook's uh, market share in, in mobile advertising, it's actually the second largest after Google. Expected to jump to 12% this year, the market share, versus 8.6% two years ago. So they're seeing the growth. They're stealing the market share to the detriment of folks like Twitter. See, and that's why I, I, I just wouldn't even think for one second about betting against Mark Zuckerberg and his team, because and this was something you touched on. You go back four years, mobile advertising essentially did not exist for Facebook. It was a, a not insignificant challenge that they were facing, and they not only met that challenge, they absolutely flat out crushed it. So, for anyone who's thinking, well, okay, but let's have, let's see how they figure out the conundrum of Facebook Live video and how to make money off of that or WhatsApp. I feel like they've they've, they've bought themselves so much runway. That you know, go back. Was it two years ago they bought WhatsApp? I think for oh, yeah. for nineteen billion. Right. Everyone, myself included, was like, huh? "Wait a minute, what? What is this?" And 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 part of that was because of how much they paid for Instagram. They only paid a billion for Instagram. That's turned out to be a phenomenal purchase for them. Yeah. But now I think with with the way they've continued to grow mobile ad revenue and. Uh, you know, just yeah, grow I mean, as a company. They they've. I think we're two, three years away from people legitimately questioning the WhatsApp purchase ever again. Yeah, you, you could be right. And, and what you said, uh, you know, don't bet a, bet against Zuckerberg, is really one of the main reasons why this old value investor here actually owns Facebook. Now, is it a huge part of my portfolio? No, it's not typically what I do. At 30 times EBITDA or 60 times price to earnings ratio, you are paying up, but you're paying up for exceptional business and exceptional leadership. And that's why I'm happy to own it. A couple of housekeeping notes before we get to our final earnings story. Uh, we were talking the other day about uh, Yahoo being purchased by Verizon, and Jason Moser mentioned how the Yahoo Finance platform, which previously we had used and enjoyed a great deal, uh, Yahoo just changed it. Ugh. They up and changed it, and it was just it, it was just like, what? I have to go find a new platform. I'm displeased. I am. I am not happy. And uh, but then I suddenly got uh, much happier thanks to uh, Brian O'Reilly, one of our fellow fools, and also Ryan Malone, a listener in New Jersey, each of whom sent me a link to 
the Canadian version of Yahoo, which still, still? has yes. Ooh. You want to jot this down? I would love to. It's ca.finance.yahoo.com. I will tell you, preparing for this show, <laughs> Yahoo is some is is a place that I typically will go to, yeah. and it was so frustrating. And this is great. Yeah, they great changed news. the layout. They changed the charts. Well, I'm so sure you're... they're going to get to Canada too. You're not going to ignore it forever. Nobody, nobody at Yahoo listens to this, fine, <laughs> okay. this podcast. So, yeah, yeah. ca.finance.yahoo.com. So, thank you to Brian and thank you to Ryan. Um, and thanks also to a couple of our listeners. I'm only going to give their first names and I'll explain why in a second. Uh, Harvey and Paul, who came by a couple of weeks ago uh, for a tour of Full HQ. Um, and the reason I'm not going to give their last names is because I don't want to get them in trouble. They were, they were in DC for a week for a professional conference. Quote. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, they, they, real, okay. no they were they, they, no. They were. How dare you? How dare you impugn <laughs> yeah. our listeners like that? No, they were in town for a conference and uh, stopped by the Fool. I showed them around, gave them the nickel tour, and I got a very nice note uh, afterwards um, saying thank you so much. Th- this was this was the highlight of the entire week. So I don't want you know. Awesome. I don't want to get them in trouble with. <laughs> well, you point. know, not every conference is a home run. That's true. Here's a, here's another fun nugget that I know you, yeah. uh, among others, will appreciate. So these two guys are in an investment club, okay. and the name of their investment club is FCOJ. FCOJ. What do you think that stands for? Wow. Um. <laughs> if I if I mention the movie Trading Places, would that give you a clue? Something orange juice futures. Yeah, frozen concentrated orange juice. <laughs> so they named their investment club off of the you know Love it. the uh, hook at the end of I had the an... classic. Financial film that's trading much, places. No, that's more more creative than than I. When I was twenty one, I started an investment club. It was called In the Money Investment Partnership, ITM Investment Partnership for for short. That's not bad. I was, I was very proud of it at the time. That's, but it's not. I it's like not that. that creative. I thought you were going to say something like Ron's Investment Club. <laughs> like that would not be creative. Uh, let's talk uh, Colgate Palmolive, which is one of those big stalwart companies that we really don't talk about all that often. And this is one of those companies that. Chances are, uh, everyone listening has at least one product in their home that yeah. is that is made by Colgate Palmolive, and you know the second quarter results—they weren't that bad considering <laughs> right. the ma- the macro environment here. That's exactly right. You got to couch it with in, in that context. Revenue was light, um, minus five percent, but that was mostly due to that dreaded foreign currency that we always talk about. There's really nothing you can do about it, especially in Latin America. Their business, a lot of their business is overseas, and there's just nothing you can do in this kind of dollar environment to, to offset that. If we strip out FX and some some of the other non-recurring things that happened during a given quarter, revenue was actually plus five percent. That's pretty good for. Um, a company um, that is as mature as Colgate Palmolive, and in fact, their organic sales growth, which they they like to talk about a lot, was was pretty strong at four and a half percent for a mature company like Colgate. Strong number. So earnings did beat, but but they were flat, um, excluding those items we talked about, because hey, you know this is not Facebook; it's Colgate. Um, Love to see that gross margins widened. Um, there are some cost cutting that that helped um, their margins. Um, Love that. Sales in Latin America make up nearly a quarter of the company's revenue, fell 17%. There, there's really the weakness. Asia Pacific also weak down 7%. But overall, you know, it's Colgate Palmolive. They're, they're putting up decent growth numbers. You can't expect much more than that. They pay a nice yield. Stock's not cheap, though. 25, 26 times earnings for a company that's not growing very quickly. 
by no means would I consider that to be a cheap stock, but but it is a blue chippy type stock, you know, like a, a, Proc, a Procter and Gamble, for example. It, it it's also one of those companies that I think has done a, a pretty good job over the last say three to five years of managing all of these different brands, and 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 you go back maybe you know five ten years they. This was one of those companies that we saw starting to cull the number of brands, sell off some of their brands mm-hmm. because they they really. At one time, they had a bunch of food brand, yeah. brands mm-hmm. uh, in the portfolio, and then they just decided to focus. You know what? We're home and health. We are home. You know, home cleaning products, pet nutrition, uh, dental care, cleaning exactly. products, yep. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We're you know we're not food. Right, and they actually don't have as many brands as you may think they would, and and a lot of them are overseas. So you probably the, the average U.S. listener probably isn't even familiar with them. You look at Procter and Gamble; it would just be a who's who of, of various brands. So you know that's why Procter and Gamble is a two hundred and twenty billion dollar company, where where Colgate is only a sixty five billion dollar company. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised one day to see Colgate. Maybe get acquired by someone. Um, really, Mr. Burf- Buffett might be interested. Maybe in a, a partnership with 3G. Um, it's a nice, steady company with with quality brands that produces cash flow, pays a dividend. Not going to knock the cover off the ball, but but they do a nice job. That would be a really huge purchase. It would be a really huge purchase. That's why I think you'd have to do it in conjunction with with someone. All right, I hadn't even considered that, and and the size of Colgate Palm Olive is specifically why I hadn't even considered that. But now I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that. Keep it on your radar. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.